Welcome to the second episode of the Smart Talk Show. I'm your host, Matteo Grosso, and if you have not yet done so, click the follow button so that you never miss another podcast episode. Also, if you want more motivational stories in your feed, you can follow me right now on social media at Matteo Grosso Strategies. In your life, have you ever felt lost and without purpose and working just to pay the bills? Well, today I'm very happy to be joined by my friend Camilla. Camilla, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Camilla and I work together at GLG and I have always been very impressed by her willingness to try out new things and never stop learning. Camilla then worked in digital transformation projects in a big four, PwC, and she now works at an NGO, Amphori Trade with Purpose. The topic we chose for today is sustainability and purpose because Camilla has always been very passionate about sustainability And uh, throughout her life, she has always been in a constant search for purpose. And uh, I think she's the most suitable person to discuss these topics with us today. Um, I think we can start from here. Camilla, can you tell us a bit more about um, sustainability and purpose and why these two topics are uh, very important for your life? Yes. Okay. So uh, maybe we can start with purpose because I think okay. it's the easiest one since uh, it, is, it has a personal meaning for everybody. So purpose would be uh, the, the thing that will make us kind of wake up, you know, our aim, our final goal. Let's say my purpose in life would be to make this world a better place. That could be kind of a purpose. And I think lately there has been a higher focus, especially um, a personal personal wise to uh, have a purpose everyone has to have a purpose because it's not nice anymore to say oh what do you do I don't know I work in a bank everyone would get bored right Uh, so even if you work I don't know in a big multinational it's still a big multinational that has a vision and a purpose so even if you work at Apple you don't say I work at Apple I work to create uh, to make everyone else lives better I'm not sure what the purpose of Apple is but you kind of get my point. So uh, I think it's uh, the point is that I think everyone search for its purpose. Uh, and I think everyone kind of needs it. Because if not, we will just, you know, we wake up every day. And then why do you get out of bed? So you kind of need something that will make you get out of bed and work and do something with, with your life. And then if you go to sustainability, okay, sustainability in a more technical terms, it's about uh, meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generation to meet their needs. Uh, So uh, I think that you are interrelated because, uh, of course, my purpose, indeed, it's uh, working in, was working in the sustainability field, and I spent uh, so much time trying to uh, work in sustainability during my life so I could say that for a long period I thought my purpose was working in sustainability Uh, and so I think I really mixed up the two a lot and also because I mean as you saw from the definition of sustainability uh, you you know sustainability in itself uh, as a purpose inside right so I want to do everything I do today without compromising future generation 
and it's something really hard to do. I mean, if I wake up tomorrow and I don't buy, I buy uh, a bottle of water in plastic, I'm already compromising the other generation futures. So indeed, I think this is kind of the two definitions. But what is for you purpose, Matteo, actually? So purpose for me would be helping people live a better life. That's definitely the purpose that, uh, that's definitely what makes me get up every day. <laughs> I, yeah. I reflected a lot on the purpose, especially in the last couple of years, I would say, because before, you know, when we used to work at GLG together, I, I really wanted to become a manager because I wanted to help people grow. And then I realized that you don't need to be a manager to help people grow. There are so many different um, projects and things you can do in your life. And of course, coaching is one of them. This is why I became a coach over time, because I realized that I didn't only want to impact the, the people in my team. I wanted to impact many people around the world. And, um, and I think that understanding what purpose is uh, for everybody is extremely important because when you understand your purpose, when you understand why you are alive, it gives you a completely different perspective on life, right? And um, yeah, very, yeah, yeah, very few people understand this. Very few people take some time to think about the purpose, right? Why are they waking up every morning? Yeah, no, I agree. And I loved what you said, that you said, okay, my purpose is about growing other people. And also, you noticed how purpose, also in my case, indeed, my purpose would be uh, to uh, make this world a better place through my work. And like, uh, those are things that don't have much to do with you. I mean, yes, you will help other people grow, but the aim is to make people grow. Or my aim would be, uh, to make the world a better place for, for future generations. Like, yes, I want to be a meme, but the purpose has nothing to do with yourself. And I, I saw a very interesting yeah. TED talk about it, which is like, uh, the purpose, it's okay, a little part, it's what you can teach. So what you can give, of course, in order to, uh, to do something for others. It doesn't have anything to do with you. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle to um, struggle to understand it or find it. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know why I think purpose is very difficult to very difficult to grasp uh, for uh, many of us is because purpose is not really a thing. Purpose is more like a feeling that you get from doing what you're supposed to do for the world. And uh, so many companies have a vision. They have a mission. But then they don't understand why their employees don't have a purpose. They don't show up with energy every day. And the reason is that what people do in a company doesn't spark any light in them. They don't, doesn't spark a fire in them. And uh, purpose is basically given by, so for instance, when I help people live a better life, when I coach people, it gives me joy. So that's purpose. That's what I feel. And I feel alive. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do for the world, right? And it's, I think it's the same for you when it comes to sustainability, right? So when you try to make the world a better place for um, the, the future uh, people who will live on this earth, it goes 
way beyond yourself. It's something bigger, but it gives you energy every day. And this is why it's so important to really understand what purpose is. And we do a, a big work with our clients on this because when they understand purpose, their life completely changes. Yeah, indeed. No, no, I, I agree. It's like, uh, I, I don't, um, I can't explain the feeling, but I think hmm. that uh, being a motive, having purpose means that even when you're doing things that you don't like, uh, because you have this purpose in your head, even when you do the admin stuff, right? Everybody needs to do admin things. Yeah. And let's say it's not the most exciting thing to do. But if you're doing that to achieve a greater purpose, then you don't really mind doing that. Actually, now, you know, I'm enjoying uh, doing things that before I hated because it gives me time. I mean, if they're more operational things like doing a PPT, I, I shut up my brain for a while. And it kind of actually relaxes me. But when I was an intern, I was like, no, I want to, you know, manage a big project or manage a big budget. <laughs> but but now that, of course, I also manage projects. But when I do these operational things, because I know that I'm doing that for something I believe in, I don't really mind anymore. I'm not frustrated when I do it because I know that it's useful. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree with you. It's like you do... You go through, say, some temporary discomfort sometimes, but it is for something bigger. <laughs> so, of course, you do it yeah. with pleasure. And I think it's also something that really distinguishes entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs were very successful, were very passionate about what they do. They work. And sometimes they work crazy hours. They work like 13 yeah. hours per day, 14 hours per day. Everyone asks them, like, how can you work that much? But the thing is, they have purpose they what they do just gives them such a such a pleasure such a joy inside that they could do it all, all day I mean, they they just could do it and when it is very difficult to work vice versa right on the contrary in the corporate world especially or in any area of our life it is because we are missing our purpose we we don't do things that really make us want to get up in the morning so, and many people sadly do this in a corporate job right they just wake up and they're like shit it's another day shit it's another day and then they're like finally it's friday <laughs> thank god yeah right? you you work for the weekend you work for the weekend yeah yeah exactly i mean if you remember gag we used to say things like i don't even remember i think it was happy friday then thursday became happy baby friday just to say, like, <laughs> you know, like the, the, the weekend is closed. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what's wrong with Monday? You know, I mean, Monday is such a beautiful day. It's, it's uh, like, we'll feel like, oh, no. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, no, indeed. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's true. I think we don't, uh, we don't give, per like, we don't give, as you said, you know, we're so busy with living. Uh, or with you know, or we are so busy in keeping ourselves busy because sometimes it's also. I think I was also like that. I was afraid to be alone with my thoughts or being alone with myself. And then you know, you don't reflect on why you do things, and you don't you don't take the time because you want to be super busy and with the big social life and with a lot of work. Because now, if you're not busy, it means you're like, ha, why you're not busy? Like you should be busy and uh, like very productive every day. But I think this is just, again, not sustainable in the long term. 
for anybody. Like we are not machines. Luckily, we we are humans, and uh, you need your brain also to uh, recharge first of all, and also do different things so that you can understand why you're doing something. And we are not supposed to be unhappy, you know. It's not our parents' generation anymore where, oh, you have to be thankful that you have this job. You have to be thankful that the employer pays you. Sure, you have to be thankful that you have a salary that allows you to have a, a normal lifestyle and a roof over your head. But you are also giving a lot of your, your, your you are giving to the employer like most of your hours, most of your days. You are giving them most of your time. And so yeah. you should get something back out of this. Aside from the salary, really, like it's, you should really get, get something out of how you spend most of your time. Totally, totally agree. And uh, may I ask you, Camilla, so the, the way uh, you and I found purpose, I think it is rather different, right? Because you went through many different experiences you were telling me before about all the things you have done in yeah. the past I would say like three four years right and it is very impressive yeah. because you change and you learn from every everything you, you were doing uh, while for me i was mainly focusing on one big corporate job and then i spent time with with uh, coaches and mentors to find my purpose right so it was a very different approach why yeah. how how did you learn uh, changing uh, many things in our life and uh, moving jobs and uh, and trying out new things? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I don't think there is a right approach. I think this really depends on you. So I don't think your approach was was worse than mine or, you know, that everyone should follow yeah, yeah. my approach. I think this should be clear. It's very personal how you achieve anything that you want to do. I think in my personal case, I uh, I don't know, I always felt a misfit everywhere I was. So I started uh, studying in Bocconi. I studied management. And, you know, there I felt like the hippie because I was, oh, I want mm. to do business ethics and uh, uh, I want to, like, you know, work on, on corporate social responsibility and uh, sharing economies and smart cities, which now I know people are listening and they're like, oh, but it's super mainstream. All right. But five years ago, nobody wanted to do this. <laughs> so five years ago, it was not the most popular field to get into and not at all. <laughs> so and actually, of course, in a university like Bocconi, where most people are interested in uh, finance or uh, you know, much more uh, traditional subject, at least at the time. I was feeling like I didn't belong. So this feeling of not belonging, I think it came with me. So I tried when I was in Bocconi, I said, okay, they took me for an internship at the UN. And I went to the UN and I thought at the United Nations, you know, it, I was going to be uh, perfect because at the United Nations, it was full of, full of hippie like me that wanted to change the world in a in a better place. And I was so crushed by reality because most of the people at the United Nations that I met at least uh, are not really interested in that. It's a lot, lot about status. And because the UN are very accessible to very rich people, I mean, again, it's a lot of status. And I found some people who really cared about the environment or about certain topics, but I also saw people going uh, like doing 10 minutes, a 10 minute walk with a Lamborghini while they could could have just walked 
you know, and then going into a session talking about how to reduce uh, CO2 emissions in India. <laughs> so like, I mean, wow. uh, yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of contradictory things. And so even at the UN where I thought, oh, this is going to be the place for me, I was like, eh, not that much. <laughs> so I got crashed again. And then, of course, I did. Uh, I decided, OK, I have to try. I will try the private sector. And then I went to the Netherlands and I went to Unilever and I worked in marketing for six months. And even then, I uh, OK, there I knew I was not going to be a super fit. But uh, there I learned a lot about being efficient and about managed projects. And because I was very young, I was 23 and I was surrounded by interns that were 27, 26, much more experienced than me. Uh, I didn't perform super well, but I think I learned so much because I was not performing super well at the time because I was not, it was my first corporate job. And then I learned how to handle time or how to, you know, always be on top of everything, always trying to understand something, even if you don't know what it is about. I mean, I was working in soap bars. You can understand my background <laughs> in soap bars was much. Yeah, so, not with soaps, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, how much can you can it be? And indeed, it's a lot. So, like, uh, I I mean, it's uh, and then you learn to be flexible with your mind because if you change constantly topic, you become less afraid of what it does. It is unknown, and even when you know a subject, you will always do your research first. So I think this is something that you learn a lot by changing. And then I mean, when I went to then when I went to Brussels and I worked in an NGO, there I never felt a misfit anymore because I just felt in the right place because I was working in sustainability. But I think the, the feeling of not being where you are, I guess this is something that pushes you kind of. It's not a nice feeling to have, like I don't belong here. But the fact that in a place where you didn't feel you belong, you managed to survive and to take a lot out of it, I think this is a very good skill. And the same goes for consulting. I worked in consulting a lot with very ambitious people and competitive. And I think that although I wouldn't say I can stay in consulting forever and be happy because I don't think I'm not happy in consulting. I know that. And I know that uh, it's not an environment that brings me happiness indeed because people are very competitive and ambitious. And there are people who likes that. So that's why I'm saying, okay, there are certain people that uh, take happiness out of doing a very challenging project and working until 12 a.m. every day. I'm just not that kind of person. <laughs> but indeed, by working all these hours and doing all these sacrifices and seeing all these ambitious people made me better. And now I can use all what I've learned in something that I really believe in because I'm working in an NGO in sustainability and I can just take all this knowledge and give it to them. And it's a shame that I'm one of the few people who will go from the private sector to a more, uh, let's say it's not private, but it's not public. So to the civil sector, the third sector and bring the knowledge of the private. We need more people that work at Google that do yeah. <laughs> like these kind of jobs because uh, we, we need that kind of knowledge. You know, it's, uh, I, I don't think it's good when you just focus on one thing for all your life. Of course, not two, three years, it's nothing. But if you just do one thing your whole life, 
and you work just in one sector and then you know then just when you are 50 because you're a big executive and now you're like oh yeah I want to do something good <laughs> because usually that's what happens and then you open a philanthropy or then you you look for your purpose at 50 then it's a bit too late I think we need young talented people also working on projects that can bring benefit for society if not we are not really going to you know achieve the the, the change that we need in the world today wow <laughs> love this yeah, sorry. thank okay. you for the beautiful it's... words it's I was just I was trying to think um, what what I should pick up on, <laughs> and uh, you've mentioned many many beautiful things. But uh, I think one of the most important takeaways for uh, whoever is listening to the podcast, which is uh, usually it's people. I was looking at the uh, some KPIs right on the data. It's people between twenty five and thirty five um, years old, and um, and so I think a good message for all of them is uh, like never stop looking for purpose never stop looking for the right fit for you because as you can see camilla has changed so many different like uh, paths and and jobs and situations and uh, in each one of them she learned something i mean i remember when we used to work together at gg she's the kind of person who likes to learn and she never stops learning on things and and this is this is how people progress right i mean uh, uh, this is how people get great KPIs and they live a better life because in whichever area they you you want to you want to look at so be it uh, family be it relationships with money be it uh, career I mean if you never stop learning and improving yourself you will see the results you will see the results and that Camila is a is a fantastic example because she changed she changed she changed and many people feel. I think, right, Camilla, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the many people feel afraid by, by change. They don't like changing, yeah. right? They, they stay in a job and like, okay, but I've got this job, right? I was talking to my sister the other day and I, I felt quite sad because she said, yeah, I'm not liking this job. And they said, well, like change it, right? <laughs> but if you don't yeah. like it, change yeah. it. And, and she said, no, but you know, it's so tough. It's COVID time, uh, maybe companies don't hire. And I'm like, and I'm like, Anna, you were like <laughs> one of the best robotic or mechatronic students in the world. <laughs> and you studied in Zurich, ETH, the best school in Zurich. You studied in Tokyo, best university in the world. Like, why are you afraid of changing? And, and she's like, no, I'm, I'm, I guess I, she's in consulting. And she's like, oh, I, I suppose I will stay here for like another six or months or one year. And... <laughs> It's very tough for me, right? Because you, you don't want to coach or help people who don't want to be helped. So, I mean, I always <laughs> refrain, even if I love her. I mean, I always refrain from saying what I think. But uh, it's beautiful to see that you are the kind of person who changes. And uh, I remember that you're so open to change. Why is it that you love change so much? Why, why aren't, you, aren't you afraid by, by change? I think... I think I'm also afraid. I mean, nobody, I think everyone is afraid by change, right? I'm not different from, I mean, it's not easy to change country all the time because, okay, we didn't mention that part, but while I was changing all these jobs, I, I mean, for me, it was not just changing jobs. For me, it was changing countries or city, uh, language. 
so I was joking with my mom that I still have a bank account in the Netherlands, a bank account in Ireland, a bank account. I have a bank account everywhere and I never closed them. So I'm terrible at it. Um, so I mean, I, uh, indeed, it's a has like change a country like this life that I did. Everyone thought it was so glamorous because I was traveling and they, I, I mean, okay, traveling for holidays is glamorous. Traveling for work, <laughs> it's a bit less. <laughs> so you have all the hustle of, uh, you know, doing the bank account and doing the ID and register uh, so that you can get paid and the taxes and, you know, all these uh, admin things. So I think I'm not not afraid of change. I'm all, every time I, even when I sign this contract, by the way, you can tell your sister that I changed my job in COVID times. <laughs> and I found... Uh, so I mean, uh, it's uh, it's uh, after a year and a half in consulting, yeah. But I, I found it, and uh, I think it's not about not being afraid. I am afraid. I just acknowledge that I'm afraid. It's a bit like I told you that I've been to therapy for a year because I suffer a bit of anxiety and I had a bit of a mild depression. At least that's how it was diagnosed, and. Uh, I think also when I had to face those challenges, it's not that I'm not afraid, it's that I acknowledge that I'm anxious, I acknowledge that wow. I'm stressed, wow. and by acknowledging that I'm afraid, I'm not afraid anymore, but not because I'm not afraid. Okay, I know I'm afraid, I say, okay, it's normal to be nervous the day before leaving, after a year and a half that I was living in Milan, I was coming to Brussels, and the day before I didn't sleep. I mean, I was uh, a bit nervous, you know, I had to change a new house, I had to meet my flatmate, uh, I, you know, all, all these things. It's normal to be afraid. I'm just very open about the fact that I'm afraid and I'm very open that it doesn't matter, uh, you change and then you learn. I mean, it can be a positive experience or it can be a negative experience, but even if it's a negative experience, you learn so much. Even in experiences that I thought at the end, okay, it was not something that I would do again. Like I was telling you, when I decided to leave Dublin and come back to Italy, I thought, okay, after a year and a half in Italy, I said, hmm, when I took that decision, I took a gut decision. I was sad in Dublin, they offered me this job. And because I was sad, I took this decision. And that's another thing, never take a decision while you are in a kind of an emotional turmoil. Yeah. <laughs> like when, when you're not happy or like when you're not in a rational place, you shouldn't take lifelong decision. But I would have never learned that if I wouldn't have passed through it. So I guess it's kind of my personality is that I learn a lot by doing. And that's the best way for me to learn. You know, I'm not a very theoretical person. I have to see, I have to touch, I have to experience. And then I learn it. So I guess that's why I'm open to change, because I know that from change, you'll always learn. Uh, of course, you will have a lot of up and downs, and I did. had a lot of up and downs. I, I was not always happy. I was not always sad. <laughs> but I think it's uh, really acknowledging the, the feelings and uh, being okay with the fact that you're having feelings that are not considered positive by society. And because of social media, we are used to see people happy all the time, but that's not reality. Nobody is happy yeah. all the time, not yeah. in the Queen of England. I mean, no, <laughs> nobody is happy all the time. So uh, it, it's really normal to have negative feelings. It's really normal to do mistakes. It's very normal to act irrational sometimes. Uh, but you have to accept yourself and uh, you have to improve. So what we can do every day is to improve a bit 
and take the best out of what lives give us, especially acknowledging that, of course, I'm a person who comes from not a very privileged background, but for sure I was born in the right place in the world. I mean, I was born white, I was born still in a developed country, I was able to go to school, I was able to access scholarship, I was able to do a lot of things because I was living here and I'm not born in Africa or in Nigeria. So, I mean, of course, every day I should be grateful for that, for instance, or uh, I mean, it's not easy for everyone to do that, but I think we should be a bit more open. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, extremely well. And actually, guys, I just want to say that like Camila is as genuine as you are hearing her. I mean, I love the fact that she's so open and so genuine and uh, it, to me it is a big sign of strength right vulnerability is a big sign of strength and uh, i really I, I find you very inspiring camilla because you're such a resilient person you have a very resilient personality you you go through hard times right but you learn from those hard times and you you make a better Camilla out of it, right? So every time there is a better Camilla coming out. <laughs> yeah, it's like a next version of the iPhone. And be like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes if I look back, I am like, mm, okay, maybe yeah, I didn't like this, these parts of me. But the thing is that, you know, it's also a never ending journey. I'm still learning so much every day. And I'm always, uh, you know, it, I, I don't think, I'm never feeling like, okay, now I'm here. And I don't think we shouldn't, we shouldn't feel that way because I think we will be disappointed. I think if you work, for instance, all your life to, uh, I don't know, to work in uh, McKinsey, you say, okay, my life goal is to work at McKinsey. Then you go to work at McKinsey and then I think then you're crashed. Not because maybe, yeah. maybe you love McKinsey, I don't know, or maybe you will hate it. But I think once you reach what your objective was, then you're like, okay, it's not that if you reach one objective, it's not that your life is magically settled. It's not that uh, suddenly you are in peace with yourself <laughs> or suddenly, you know, the birds start singing and it's the end of the movie credits. <laughs> no, like uh, you, you still want to do something like, and I, I think it's important to, to keep that in mind so that we don't lose ourselves too much. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, while you were saying this, I was thinking that many people master the, what we usually call a, a science of achievement. So they achieve a lot right? they always achieve, they are high achievers and, and this is great. I mean, it's fantastic that people achieve, but sometimes <laughs> what we miss is uh, the art and it truly is an art, the art of fulfillment, right? And fulfillment comes not from achieving stuff. Fulfillment comes from what what you give and the kind of person you become in the process. And uh, I think that you are a very good example of this, Camilla, because you uh, strive that I would say, yeah, you work really hard to for a life, for a fulfilling life. You don't just settle for achievement because honestly, I mean, you were a very high performer at GLG and you were like pretty good performer, I think, in every every uh, other job you had. So I don't think that was the problem. Right? Achieving was not the problem, but the fulfillment was the problem. Am yeah. I wrong? 
Exactly. No, no, no. Indeed, you got so very well the point. I can see you're a coach. <laughs> you got, <laughs> you got really well the. Yeah, indeed, uh, I achieved. Like indeed, because I, I'm sure that of course once I was put at uh, PwC, which is a big four, and okay, it's not McKinsey, but it's still a very uh, demanding place. When I got at PwC, and at the beginning, I was not achieving super well, but after six, seven months, I think I got the respect of everyone. The client loved me. Uh, even the supplier I was working for offered me a job afterwards. Like, I mean, it's not that I was not doing a good job, but I was like, why am I doing I, the why? It's really important for everyone. I was like, okay, but I'm not, yes, I'm doing a good job. Yes, they like me. Uh, yes, I could progress in my career, but I wouldn't be, I, I, I was very, I think that's a very smart thing to do, of course, I think for everyone who's listening, that don't uh, take the fact that you're doing a good job in something has, okay, you are a very good person or yeah, you 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 fulfilled your goals. Mm. I, I know many people who enter in consulting who never wanted to go in consulting and then they're there for five years because they lose track of this, because they start being good at what they do and then they... Uh, they take the fact that, you know, they finish a good project, uh, that the client uh, likes them and the fact that um, they get promoted very fast has a sign of, okay, you know, they tick the boxes. Oh, yeah, okay, I was senior associate, I was uh, that, so now I'm going to focus on that. And then they lose focus on who, who they wanted to be when they started consulting, who they wanted to be also when they were 16 years old, like... And of course, I don't think you, you should always have the same goal. I think also my goal changed a lot. And I tend to have an open mind to things. Like I started that, okay, I wanted to work in food and sustainability. Then on the way, I learned about artificial intelligence and the impact of automation on the labor market. And I learned about IT and sustainability. And now I want to work in IT and sustainability because I think that it's the future. So, I mean... It's not that your goal has to be fixed because the world is not fixed and it changes so fast <laughs> that, yeah. uh, I mean, it's uh, it would be stupid to always have the same goal. Uh, and of course, it has to change with the world, but you shouldn't really lose focus on that. The achievements, as you said, they're just a tick on the box. Uh, they, they keep you going, but they're not the final. I don't think it's the final, you know, uh, line where you're like, okay, I finished the marathon, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on uh, today, Camilla, was uh, um, I saw that you're also involved in politics. I think that's very admirable. It's uh, why, yeah, why did ahead. you decide right, to, to, to be more involved and uh, uh, to give back in that way? I think it's, it's very inspiring. Um, why did I was okay? That's a good question. Yeah, I started because at GLG. I didn't feel like I had purpose. So mm. I was working at GLG with you and I was eh, something. So you were looking missing. at side projects, like some side yeah. projects to find purpose outside the job, basically. Yeah, indeed. indeed. I was looking for something else and then I find Vault, which is the movement I, I'm part of, and, and uh, they have values which are very similar to mine. And although I never liked politics that much because my dad was a former politician and once you see politics from inside, it's really hard to be involved because you see how bad the environment is and you lose a lot of motivation, you know, 
but at the same time, I loved. I, I was looking for purpose, and I wanted to change the world. And, and anyway, everything is kind of politics. You know, politics involves us all. So I mean, you can see how uh, decisions from Trump to cut off China have such a big impact on everyday life. But even even tinier things like uh, you see with COVID, how politics is important. Like uh, we had the vaccine, and throughout Europe, we had to redistribute it equally. Uh, you know, this is all politics, and the big challenge we are going to face in the next uh, era, you know, climate change, they cannot be solved uh, by the private itself, you know, it has to be politics, private sector, NGOs working together towards the same goal. So I think uh, that that's kind of why I got into into politics, and then I saw that there was a lack, so, and then, of course, I didn't want, I, I continued doing it because there are not many girls that are into politics. And this really saddened me. Like the girls are so few, even in progressive and liberal movements like mine, there are not many girls who are uh, interested in taking leadership position. And I saw how much, even when you, we have girls inside, of course, our movements, but while, you know, when there is a big a position opening within the movement, you see the guys always going forward saying, yes, I'm a candidate, I want to go. And you see the girls never going forward. And I started asking them, you know, okay, why are you not going for it? And they they are so unsure, you know, they will be like, oh, no, uh, I don't think I have time. Um, I'm not sure if I'm right. And those are very competent and brilliant girls. I mean, I know they have all the capabilities and the intelligence to do it, but they tend to underestimate themselves while guys tend to overestimate yeah. themselves. But there, yeah. I think there are also some data that shows that. And uh, so when they ask me, okay, you want to be a candidate? Do you want to show your face? I said, yes, because it's not that we can only look at America at Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, but then in Italy, there are very, there are very few uh, female politicians that um, you can take as role models. Uh, and I think it's time to normalize that girls can go into politics, you know, that it's okay for them to be kind of a bit more like guys who are just going there and state their opinions. Like also girls can do that and we should, because as you see, politics is very male oriented and uh, we can see that by, you know, we when uh, in Italy they closed the aesthetic center, uh, in Milan, or the, not in Milan, but all over Italy, they were closed, but they kept the barber shop open for the beard. <laughs> so, but for for us girls, hair are effect of uh, are like for the guy the beard, of course. But because there were no women in the room, of course, then they don't discuss about these topics. <laughs> and we are not even talking about minorities, you know, because women are fifty percent oh, exactly, of yeah. population. So, it's about equal representation and. Uh, uh, I think it's good that other people start seeing that, you know, women get into politics even when they have a full-time jobs and uh, or they live in Europe. Like, you can still do it like many other guys do. And, yeah, so I think this is one of also the reasons why I decided to, to get into. And I hope if some uh, woman is listening to this podcast will start joining any political movement, <laughs> anyone, I don't really mind. But just start going for what you believe in and uh, don't be afraid of taking on, on some leadership position 
uh, it's okay. Like uh, you're not bossy or bitchy. It's you're just being a leader. Completely agree. Thank you so much, Camilla, for being such an inspiring human being. I mean, uh, really, I, you're one of the most genuine and uh, determined person uh, I know. And uh, I'm very thankful you have dedicated us this uh, 45 minutes. And uh, yeah, I, uh, from, on behalf of uh, all the people listening, thank you so, so much for being here today with us. Uh, thanks to you, Matteo. It was so nice, actually, to speak to you again. It was a long time that we were not uh, talking, so it's always nice to, you know, uh, talk again. And uh, you're also like, I'm, I, I, as I told you before, I'm so impressed by what you achieved so far. Uh, thank you to Tigrov Academy. Like, I think you're doing an amazing job, and I think we need more coach and we need more people that help us to understand what our fulfillment is. And if you want, of course, you can follow me on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm called Camilla Villano on LinkedIn. In Instagram, I'm the Orange Apple. Uh, but yeah, you can contact me anytime if you have any question about my journey or if you feel a bit sad and you want to have a talk. I'm also always available. <laughs> so I've been anything if you heard something that interests you that i said today don't hesitate to uh, ask me on social media i'm always happy to to help uh, to i don't know to give some advices if needed camilla thank you so so much and guys we are at the end of today's episode you know this was a bit longer since it says it's a smart talk um, and that's what we have got for you today if you like the episode, please share it with someone you know and love and uh, uh, who is uh, trying to find purpose, is uh, um, in a period of constant changes in their lives, right? And they are uh, constantly growing. And if you could share it, of course, in your Instagram stories and tag me, Matogrosso Strategy, and Camilla, um, it would be amazing. The only way we grow and impact more people is if you guys share it. So I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you who will do it. Make your life a masterpiece. Live with purpose. See you next week. We appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.